0: Welcome to another episode of the Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Pilati, and I'm really excited to dig in today on a very specific growth campaign run by a company called Freeze. uh, And the blog post that got me hooked on this was the title is From 169 Customers to 8,266 in 28 Days, How Phrase Built the Biggest AppSumo Launch Ever. And I am joined today by Matt Hurley, who is the Director of Growth at Phrase. Matt, thanks so much for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So we are going to talk all about that campaign today. You outlined a bunch of stuff in the blog post. I want to go one layer deeper on some stuff and really peel it apart for folks listening. And before we jump in, why don't you give a quick background on yourself and then we'll go ahead and get started?
1: Sure. My name is Matt Hurley. I'm the director of growth at Phrase and the, um, I guess, architect of that campaign that you mentioned. So at Phrase, I'm, I'm mostly responsible for acquisition, retention, monetization, though. That being said, we still are a quite a small team, so I was the first business hire at Phrase, and so I sort of do whatever the business needs me to do. Sometimes that's not very glorious, but startup's a startup, you need to do what needs to get done. Before I worked at Phrase, I was the head of customer success at Formlabs, where I managed uh, the customer intelligence team, customer systems, customer success managers, and was mostly focused on growing the services organization through retention and and customer experience efforts. So I guess you could say I've mostly been focused on retention monetization the last five or six years or so. And I've uh, recently added acquisition to my areas of interest uh, now that I've joined Phrase.
0: Awesome. And I've had the pleasure of following phrase's journey a little bit, Tommy the Tommy the CEO, and you've been working on it for a few years now. And it's pretty crazy to me that within a few days like you know, you had this launch, you had this campaign and it, it gave you thousands of new users bunch of money and revenue. And so why don't we just start at the top? Can you give folks listening a quick rundown of the campaign basics, maybe like what it was? And, you know, I shared some of the results, but any additional results that you want to share to just put people in the frame of context for the conversation?
1: Absolutely. So we launched on a company called AppSumo, or a platform rather called AppSumo, which is a uh, daily deal site, uh, particularly for SaaS businesses um, that are sort of trying to um, get their ideas and get their businesses out to market. And so, you know, lots of companies have launched on AppSumo in the past. Some of their more notable ones are Shopify, Intercom, and Zapier. But the general idea, right, is you have a product and you don't really have a distribution network since we're, you know, you're, Still a small team and usually product focused at this stage. And so you partner with AppSumo to help distribute your product to their audience of mostly early adopters who are very, very willing and very gracious to use these software applications and these software platforms, even though they might not be super polished, like, you know, Drift, for example. And the other huge benefit on that side is they're very willing to provide feedback and give thoughts on the tool that you're sharing. And in exchange for that, they get a big discount. So it's a nice little partnership that AppSumo offers up. And in terms of results, we had particularly good results, the biggest AppSumo campaign ever. Um, We generated about $800,000 in sales, which for us is a lot. We went from about 840 weekly active users to around 13,000. Website traffic is up maybe like 600%. we went from zero to having around 350-ish reviews on websites like Coursera and G2, um, Trustpilot. And we built a huge Facebook community, which I'll talk a little bit more about. But uh, in general, it was a really helpful campaign to go from what we had, which was sort of an effective but a little used
0: product and and putting it in front of lots of new eyeballs. And I love this because all of your numbers spiked, right? Your revenue numbers spiked, your active users spiked, your public reviews spiked, your community spiked, all these things spiked. But I'd have to imagine that when you entered this in the first place, your hypothesis wasn't necessarily, hey, we're going to move every single important metric for our business. Maybe it was, but I'd love to know what was the original framing of your hypothesis as you went into this.
1: If I had to do this again, I probably would, would do it differently. But our initial hypothesis was uh, we need to significantly increase the number of free trials we have coming into the platform. Uh, so in other words, you know, top of funnel leads, because we had maybe 90 signups a week, not much to write home about, right? And we just needed much more volume coming through the tool, coming through the platform. And so the initial idea was, well, if we, if we launch on, on AppSumo, Hopefully we can spike that number up for a month and then make some magic happen from there. But initially, the major focus was let's increase free trials. And also sort of maybe the secondary focus was and the secondary hypothesis rather was once we get all of these users into the platform, the hypothesis was maybe we can upsell them um, or cross sell them with future
0: uh, products and add-ons. Got it. And so some of the initial intent, as you mentioned, was increasing free trials, which seems like your core goal there is just get more people using it so that you can better understand what direction you need to take it in and build in terms of the product.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. With the, the position that we were in before the opsumo campaign was we had, you know, probably just a, you know, well, 169 customers and some of these were big logos. In fact, uh, Drift was an, an early adopter uh, of our platform. I think you guys have been a customer for probably 10 months or so at least. And, and you guys, as, as far as I know, are, are happy customers. But we weren't getting much volume through the product. And so we knew we had something interesting because people liked using the, the tool and every survey and every metric that we were releasing, including NPS. Um, I think we were uh, running an NPS at like 70-ish at that stage of the company. Um, So we knew we had something that people liked, but uh, we didn't have enough people using the product to really learn at the speed that we needed to learn, if that makes sense. And so with no marketing budget to speak of and no real marketers, we were really failing at, at acquisition efforts. We just weren't getting enough people into the platform. And that comes with it lots of lots of problems, right? The biggest problem is that uh, without people trying your product, it's hard to get people to pay for it at scale. Um, but the bigger problem was we weren't really learning fast enough. With only 169 users, you know, they adopt new features and, and new products as fast as they can. But it takes a while to get to a statistically significant representation, right? So, for example, with 169 customers, if we release a new feature in a week, it might take three weeks for us to to collect enough data to make a decision on where that feature should go. And now we have enough data in three hours. So our ability to improve and iterate on the product has significantly improved since we ran the AppSumo campaign. And it's largely because... Uh, We accomplished this initial objective, which is just get more eyeballs on the product.
0: Right. And so like the revenue that you got and all the other stuff seems like it was, you know, icing on top of the cake, right? You got more eyeballs plus all this other stuff. And one one other thing I just want to make sure that people also get as a takeaway out of something you said there was I think it's easy to look at these campaigns and say, oh, wow, like they did the one thing and that thing worked. And, you know, they just like figured it out right away. But you'd mentioned that there were other acquisition efforts that you had that weren't quite working. And so getting to this point, and, you know, now I'm putting words in your mouth. So tell me if otherwise, but getting to this point is a bit of a journey. And this one just like really, really hit big for you in terms of an experiment.
1: Yeah, I think this hit big for us. And you're exactly right. I mean, we've, we've run lots of Growth campaigns and growth experiments through multiple different channels in the past. And, um, you know, partially it's because we have limited budget. So it's hard to, you know, really, you know, for example, hit a PPC campaign hard um, when, when you're working with such a limited budget. But also it's tough to really focus on growth campaigns. At this stage of your company, because we're still effectively searching for mark- product market fit, just because we had an, an, a great campaign, and I don't want to take anything away from that, does not mean we've accomplished our core objective as a company, uh, which is to, to reach product market fit. Um, and so no matter how many different growth plans or growth campaigns and growth hacks you run, unless you get closer to that goal, you're sort of just treading water, right? And so... I think initially our goal was to get more signups so that we could uh, learn more. In fact, to be honest, uh, and I hesitate to admit this, but our initial forecast was that we'd make about $60,000 from this campaign. And we ended up being off on that by over a factor of 10. So (laughs) the idea behind the campaign was not to make money. It was to get eyeballs into the platform and make some magic happen once that happened.
0: Yeah. And I what's just so important there that I really, really just want to highlight for listeners is the hypothesis that you had was perfectly aligned with your current strategy as a business. I think it's easy to, to you know, miss the mark on the hypothesis alignment with where you're at as a business, right? You could have went in, in this and said like, you know, we really just have to figure out that we can make money through this process, but that in reality was not going to help your company get to that next stage. So especially when you're early on as a company, aligning the hypothesis to the business strategy is so critical. Whereas if you're a much bigger company, you have a bunch of growth teams and, you know, a few hundred employees and whatnot, your hypotheses can be way more targeted to, you know, drive this specific funnels number, right? It's just a very, very different thing. And it it sounds like you really, really got that right. And one thing that you had mentioned a few minutes ago was, you know, if you were to rerun it today, you would change a bunch of stuff. What's, what are some of those things that you change?
1: Um, Yeah. So, I mean, I think at, at the outset, um, we weren't as obsessive and and scientific about uh, collecting Feedback and listening to users as we should have been. Um, so, for example, you know, AppSum always re- recommends that you um, publish a public roadmap before you launch because users will um, sort of ask about it and want to give feedback on it. And we sort of blew that off. To be honest. there's no there's no better way to put it. We we sort of just ignored that and assumed that people wouldn't really care about, you know, necessarily the future of the company and wouldn't be really interested in giving us feedback or making feature requests. And that turned out to be very wrong. Uh, people were very, very committed to looking at our plan for the company, plan for the product, and weighing in on it. And despite you know the the key objective of the campaign, which was you know, how do we learn more faster? We just didn't do a good job uh setting up those communication channels and, and that for those feedback channels. And the same thing can be said for the fact that we didn't have a Facebook group um, when we launched this campaign. Um, people were continuously asking, do you have a Facebook group? Do you have a Facebook group where we can learn from other users of the product and ask questions and 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 post feedback and what whatnot? And we didn't have anything. And so Um, I built a Facebook group over coffee one morning just to sort of uh, appease the users that were asking for it. And within two hours, we had 800 members in it. Um, And today we have 2,600 or 2,700 members and 1,500 of those people are active in it every single day. Um, So these are not people, these are not passive users. These are very active, very engaged users of our product that are trying to use phrase Um, on a daily basis, and we should have set up communication and feedback channels earlier on
0: that made it easier for them to communicate with us. And I know that with Absumo and the way that you structured it and just the way that the structure works in general, you are generally offering a very sizable discount on the offering. Uh, How does offering that sort of discount impact and how has it impacted your future pricing structure and and all that? Because, you know, you look at it and say, or if you're a customer, you look at it and say, hey, you know, someone used to be able to get this for a tenth of the cost, right? Like that makes those conversations a little bit harder to ask for a lot more money later, I'm assuming. Uh, Can you you talk about that a little bit? To that point, in order to launch
1: on AppSumo, AppSumo does ask that you discount your product significantly, which you know makes sense because you're trying to get as many early, early adopters in the door as possible. Um, so I think we discounted our product something like 92% off or something like that, um, which was actually more than, than recommended. It was more than uh, the typical AppSumo campaign. But again, our objective was not to make money. It really never was to make money from this campaign. The objective was to get as many um people into the product as possible um and we felt like uh discounting the product even more than our peers were on on that platform would help us accomplish that that objective and it did i think people very quickly recognized um that we were giving something away (laughs) and uh and that they they should get on on board um and, uh, you know, I ask about, you know, future pricing conversations, generally speaking, I think people, especially sumo Links, as they call themselves, the AppSumo users, sumo are very understanding that um, startups like us can't t- stay in business for very long if they continue to discount their products by 92%. Um, and so they have tended to be very uh, forgiving about discussions where they come and they say something along the lines of, oh, I missed the AppSumo campaign by a week. I wish I could get a discount, but I understand that you can't continuously discount your product at such high levels, um, you know, in, in perpetuity. Uh, and so um, they've been remarkably forgiving on, on that side. But also, I mean, in general, internally, we've been having a little bit more complex pricing discussions um, as a result of the AppSumo campaign. Uh, we've changed one of our um, products a freemium model, which we did not expect before, based on the feedback that we were getting from Links, we decided to change our freemium model, uh, or sorry, rather change to a freemium model for one of our enterprise products, um, which we did not anticipate we would be doing. And the other thing that we realized because of feedback that we were getting is that we were actually um pricing our product or pricing that product rather wrong uh, so we were using a value-based pricing but the unit of value was the wrong measurement it wasn't very transparent it didn't really make sense to people uh, and we got you know probably hundreds of questions clarifying what the pricing meant uh, which was a very clear uh, message to us that we needed to change our pricing so because of that feedback we We changed our pricing still to a value based model, but uh, the unit of value is a little bit more easy to understand. And it's sort of similar to if you've ever heard of the software company segment, uh, where they track engaged visitors, uh, it's very similar to that model. And then the other thing that we sort of realized um, was after sort of, you know, extensive persona segmentation and really sort of understanding, um, you know, our high value personas, we started realizing that. Um, optional add-ons were a really good strategy for us uh, in terms of driving up uh, average revenue per user and also for adding value to specific users that were looking for a little something extra.
0: That's amazing. So not only did you get people looking at the product and giving their feedback on that, but you also got some business model direction out of it which is just such a cool thing to get from a growth campaign well
1: yeah i mean the feedback actually i mean just touch on that a little bit more none of this would have come uh without the feedback essentially what happened was these users came to us and they said uh we want this thing and we said we can build this but you're gonna have to pay for it and they said okay (laughs) <laughs> and then we built it, and uh, and and we're in a soft launch right now. So, uh, just shows that uh, listening to customers is the best thing you can do when you're running this sort of this sort of campaign.
0: Absolutely. So, how do you make sure that something, you know, this huge big bang changes the structure of your company, and you know, you have this massive influx of users and revenue, and you know, some market validation how do you make sure that this doesn't turn into a fizzled off you know you peaked at that month that year like that that was a cool moment we had right how do you make sure it's not just a peak and more of an ongoing thing yeah that's definitely
1: something we want to avoid and i hate to beat a dead horse but i think it really just comes down to listening to feedback based on the feedback that we're getting uh, and we've released significant number of surveys in multiple different forms asking various questions to our new user base. And one of the things that we've been using is a technique that Superhuman uses um, that they call Product Market Fit Survey. And it's essentially a really simple survey that they send out, which serves as a leading indicator for whether you've achieved product market fit. And among other things that it asks uh, about, you know, how much you – uh, you know, or what you'd use if this company didn't exist, or what's the biggest pain point it solves. The main question that it asks uh, is, how upset would you be if this company ceased to exist? The answers that you can uh, select from are very upset, somewhat upset, or not upset. And Superhuman has basically argued that if 40% of the people that you speak to say that they would be somewhat are very upset, you've achieved product product market fit. And one thing that we've learned from these surveys, from these product market fit surveys, is not just that something like 65 or 70% of people that we survey would be very upset if we stopped existing, which is great. We've also learned specifically what phrase is doing well, what phrase is not doing well, and we're able, based on some answers that they're providing about who they are and what they use the tool for, we're able to segment those answers across what we would call high-expectation customers, uh, which is, in other words, our our customers who are – really getting the most value out of the tool and are using the tool for the right reasons in the right applications. Uh, and so what we've learned from these users has caused our new feature release product roadmap to get booked up for the next quarter and a half. So we release new features every Thursday night. And because of this feedback we've gotten from high value personas in, in our in our user base, we know exactly what we're going to build over the next quarter and a half, and we know that those features are going to add value to these users. Um, so we're going to try and maintain momentum by simply, no other way to put it, building stuff that people want. We don't want to put our stick our heads in the ha- sand and just build things that we think are cool. That's how you get into trouble. Um, so we've done, I think, a good job of really listening to these users, our high-value users, and putting pen to paper and turning that into action rather than just a thought exercise. Right. And then the other thing I would say is um, we've really started investing in uh, content. Um, So we just hired a new marketer from drift, actually bill who has really started to focus on developing content that can drive users through the funnel, um, which we really have not previously focused on. So especially bottom of the funnel content stuff like customer stories and testimonials we previously just didn't have enough customers to really do that effectively but now we have thousands and we're going to be leveraging stuff like cap reviews and customer stories to help people activate and stay engaged and convert as often as possible Um, so hopefully all this new volume all these new users will help fuel this growth engine uh, for this foreseeable future
0: yeah and some of the folks that have been listening to this podcast for a while know bill that's bill king he's been he's been on the podcast before, so maybe we'll we'll have him back one day after he makes a makes a big splash over there cool, so if somebody's listening to this and they're saying this sounds amazing. My company's in this sort of stage. We could really use the types of lifts and impact and, you know, strategy-defining feedback from customers. Would you advise someone to replicate the campaign? Like, should they just go do what you did? Or would you maybe say, hold up, you know, maybe it's not gonna work again? Like, how do you think about that?
1: I would probably say Uh, I would probably say maybe, but probably not. As we mentioned before, I think you run a significant risk by running a campaign like this um, because you're basically giving away your product. So uh, for free or close to free. And that's not necessarily bad. You know, in our position, that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. But in some companies, that could be a very bad thing, especially if you've got a marketing spend and your cost acquisition is relatively high. Uh, Your unit economics can get messed up real quick uh, by discounting your product by 92%, right? I think that it does make sense if, if learning is the main objective and, and not growth, which sounds crazy, especially when you're talking about uh, growth campaigns and in in channels for growth. But I really do believe that, you know, um, AppSumo as a platform is really well suited um, for helping customers um, um you know, get a, get the pulse of the market and and get an understanding for what a large audience, um, feels about your product. Um, if you're in it for the money, um, that might not be a good idea. Uh, if you're in it for other reasons, it, it could be good. Um, but in terms of just replicating what, what I did, what, what phrase did, um, you know, every, every product is different. Every pricing model is different. Um, I think you know some aspects are are universal. I think it's probably very important to provide great customer support and listening to customers. Um, move quickly when they report bugs and, and offer feedback. Um, but in terms of uh, unique pricing and and um, and whatnot, uh, I think every every launch is different. Um, so definitely possible to run a campaign like this, but um, you know think it through before you do.
0: Yeah, and I, I I'll just add that I think that there's a bunch of universal takeaways that you you shared here that I'll just, you know, wrap up and, and highlight, which are, you know, it when you're in that sort of stage where you're finding product market fit, sometimes a really big swing campaign can wind up with some crazy good results. You know, it could also fall flat on its face. But as you see here, it it super worked for Matt and the team over at Phrase, which is super cool. And and I think the alignment, the hypothesis alignment with that, the moment in time for the business, uh, and also what Matt said many times along the way is, you know, you're going to run the experiment. You have to make sure that you have qualitative feedback in in any experiment like this, where the, the goal is to get people activating and and using it and and all that. And you know, I'll. I'll, I'll toss one more question your way, which is, um, why do you think it took off as much as it did? Like I, I have heard that, and you also mentioned here that the users that you had love the product. Do you attribute the success of this campaign mainly to you know just perfect timing in the market, or or is it more of Product is actually just that good, and we just needed to get it in front of more people? Or was it, you know, it was so much of a steal with the discount percentage that everyone just flooded to it? Like, is was it just purely a mix of all those things? Or do you think that there was one or two of those variables that really tipped the scales on it?
1: That's a really interesting question. I, I you know, perfect timing in the market is a fascinating uh, aspect because, I mean, as we know, this, you know, with COVID and everything, um, the way people work has fundamentally changed so that's not, that's not an aspect i've really thought about but it's it is an interesting question um, our tool helps people you know essentially create content faster at least the, the side of the tool that, that we advertise and appsumo does um, and so maybe people were looking to do more with less um, in in um, during the covid during the covid pandemic Um, especially our agency customers. We have something like 3,000 agencies on the platform. They may have have just been looking for tools to help them be more productive with fewer full-time employees. So that's really interesting. I hadn't hadn't thought of that. Um, I do believe that we did underprice our product, which was, like I mentioned, intentional. So people flooded to something that they saw as close to free. And then, you know, the the nature of the product is uh, it's a tool that – Freelancers, agencies, um, in-house marketers, content creators, in-house SEOs really love and gravitate towards. And these people tend to have really strong and tightly knit communities. Um, so we were finding within a day or two, um, we were getting mentioned in these, um, you know, Facebook groups, um, and it was driving in tons of traffic to the site tons um so i think it's a little bit of combination of the tool and, and and the market that gravitates towards it um potentially the timing i hadn't really thought about that to be honest and then um the pricing which we intentionally underpriced and frankly i probably would do it the same way again
0: yeah and and all those things led to people trying it out using it and what i know of tommy who who is the founder over there uh he really focuses on a great user experience like anytime i've seen the products that he's built they're always like really really thoughtful the details really matter and so you know you can you can gravitate people as much as you want with the with the discount and all that but from and i'm saying this entirely from an outside perspective it it also very much seems like uh, you know the quality uh, is what immediately made all these people love it right because what what you're you're sharing here is not only did they pay for it and try it and use it but they really loved it and so it it seems like a really great mix of a tool that's easy to use and is legitimately helpful along with all those other factors so it, it very much seems like a perfect mix of timing and, and execution so great job
1: yeah thanks you've touched on something really interesting there which is that you know generally speaking seo tools tend to be very very complex uis and they tend to try and do a lot of things and one thing that we continuously hear from our users is that they really like that we're not trying to be like other seo tools we're not trying to be jacks of all trades We're trying to be really, really good at the one thing that we're focused on. And because we're that focused inside of our product, the UI is very simple to navigate. And I think that, you know, in comparison to um, these other tools that are extraordinarily complex and do a ton of stuff, but tough to navigate, uh, Phrase may have been a breath of fresh air uh, for some of these users. So that that could have also fueled some growth.
0: Love it. Well, Matt, Thank you so much for joining. This was a lot of fun. I read the blog post. It's a great blog post for those of you that want to check it out. By the way, for people listening, I mean, it's in the podcast description, but it's phrase, F-R-A-S-E dot I-O. Matt, thanks again for joining. Thanks for having me, Matt. Enjoyed it. Absolutely. And for those of you listening, as always, Thank you so much for doing so. I know you got a ton of other stuff that you can spend your time on or listen to or watch or whatever it might be. So I am really appreciative of it. I'm always open to feedback. My email is com. If you've got ideas or thoughts, whatever it might be, feel free to let me know. Also, if you are a fan and do enjoy it, go ahead and leave a five-star review. would Would love that. And there are plenty of other episodes to check out. Hit that subscribe button. We got even more great episodes coming to you soon. Thanks again, and I will catch you on the next episode.